I know. Don't you just want to clap for that kid? He's so good. This little boy so sweetly captures the point of the words from Psalm 63, which was the impetus for this song. This tune has been running through my mind as I've studied this week because Ruth 2 is a passage where the loving kindness of the Lord is seen over and over again. Wherever there are people, there is God bringing hope in concrete ways that we can see. This simple song was written by a man named Hugh Mitchell in the 1940s. You can't actually find very much information about him. He was a British pastor in the Apostolic Church and died just a few years ago at the age of 100. He wrote lots of songs, many for children. This is the best known, and it's found in various hymnals, has been translated to different languages. He held many roles in the church, including missions work. But this piece of music, which countless believers in Christ have sung throughout the years, continues to be a good reminder of King David's prayer to the Lord. But let's think about these words from Psalm 63 for just a moment. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Just stop and think about what David is saying here. That for him, God's love was more precious than his very own existence. That he valued God's love above life itself. Now, these words of David were believed to have been written when he was in the wilderness being hunted by Saul, reverberate in our own souls. May that be our prayer. God, my life on earth is not as important as knowing your love. What is our life if we don't know his love for us? This is a truth that we want to embrace as his church, that the love of God is better than anything we have here. The love of God is all over the text that we read today, and we want to talk about how we see that love manifested helping people, how they express it, what that means for us. So we're going to be reading Ruth 2. It's a long narrative, but it's a good narrative. And if you want to open your Bibles and follow along, we're going to be going back and forth. Remember, Joshua judges Ruth. And so... um, Yeah, Ruth 2, it's a long ride, but it's really, really good. Who doesn't love a good story? Now, Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go into the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Just then Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, To whom does this young woman belong? 
The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the Moabite woman who came back from Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came, and she has been on her feet from early this morning until now without resting even for a moment. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Then she fell prostrate with her face to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your sight that you should notice of, take notice of me when I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, May I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I am not one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some of this bread and dip your morsel in the sour wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he heaped up for her some parched grain. She ate until she was satisfied, and then she had some left over. When she got up to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, Let her glean, even among the standing sheaves, and do not reproach her. You must also pull out some handfuls for her from the bundles and leave them for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She picked it up and came into the town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gleaned. And then she took out and gave her what was left over after she herself had been satisfied. Her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and she said, Ah, oh, the man of the man, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, this man is a relative of ours, one of our nearest kin. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is better, my daughter, that you go out with, this, with his young women. Otherwise, you might be bothered in another field. So she stayed close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. The word of the Lord. Amen. So before we proceed, we need to talk about a seminary word, because it is a characteristic of the Lord, and it is a major theme in Ruth. It is chesed. 
and there's not one good English equivalent of it that captures its meaning. It actually brings together many words that we understand, such as loyalty and faithfulness, kindness and goodness and mercy, love and compassion. It is who God is, and it is what he does. And because of his covenant with his people, he treats them consistently with unconditional and tender love. And that love persists. That's what said means. That it persists even when the people are in sin or rebellion. Now, said is also when a more powerful person helps a situationally weaker person, like we just read. Where an extraordinary act of mercy goes beyond what would be expected. Most of the time in the Old Testament, the word is used to describe God and what he does. But when his loving kindness is experienced and understood, then it becomes the basis of his said between humans. Think about David and Jonathan, whose abiding friendship is often used uh, to understand this characteristic. In Ruth, this word appears a few different times to describe God, but also it is used once to describe Ruth and Orpah, the Moabite women who have somehow internalized and understood and caught God's unconditional love. It is used in this chapter to describe God, and we also see its evidence all over behind the scenes and in the actions of the main characters. So this morning I want to pose three questions for us to consider. And we're going to use the word loving kindness, and it doesn't exactly capture the sentiment of hesed, for, but for our purposes today we will use it, remembering that it also means all of those other words altogether. So here's the first question I would ask you. Where do we see the loving kindness of God in this passage? Now the narrator gives us an aside to tell us that there is a wealthy relative named Boaz of Naomi's. Ruth is not aware of him because she, of course, is not from there. But somehow she ends up in his field. She just happened, is what the writer says, to choose to glean on the plot of land of the man who is a prominent part of her husband's family. So then that causes us to think about coincidence and God's will. Those who are more rational among us might say, well, yeah, serendipitous events happen every day who is to say that god planned it or not now it's true that there is mystery in how much god intervenes and how much he points us in the right direction and allows us to find our own way but because of all that happens later which is often how we see god's providence this is not a chance meeting it is the will of god so his care over these widows might be complete This leads us to another way that God is directly helping here. In the Mosaic Law, in Leviticus, God commands landowners to not harvest everything, but to leave behind a portion of the crop for those who are needy, for those who would come behind the gleaners like Ruth. And in Deuteronomy 10, we read these words. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. And loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in Egypt. So out of a love for the poor, 
for those who have no permanent home, for the refugee in the land, for those who find themselves alone like widows, God made it mandatory that his people would reach out beyond themselves because God is the creator and the sustainer and the provider. And there's a grace here. There's a grace that God wants his people to catch. That people would be able to relax a little bit because they would know that they are going to be provided for. That there is freedom in the struggle. When Ruth asks Boaz, why Why should you take notice of me? I'm a foreigner. Look at what he says in verse 11. He tells her, you have given freely to my family. I want the Lord to reward you. I want to help be part of that. And then he gives a beautiful word picture of God as a bird who shelters people under his wings. This is a time where Ruth is very vulnerable. And Boaz is telling her, the Lord is sheltering you in his wings. In the Psalms, God's wings are a place of safety of refreshment, of stillness as the storm is raging around, of deliverance and hope and rest. When Naomi hears from Ruth what's going on in verse 20 about the -the over-the-top generosity of Boaz, she knows what's going on. She attributes the care to the Lord. She recognizes God's hand when she sees it because his mercy And his love are recognizable. His love is sacrificial and consistent. She says, this is the Lord's kindness. This is the Lord's has said. God has not forsaken the living or the dead. You see, there's a richness of God's providence in this story. That's important for us to recognize and to sit with for a moment. God's love is vast. This is one little piece of the story of one little family in one little part of the world, in one little part of history. Imagine how vast and great is God and his infinite care he has for each person throughout history. And we trust that into the future. We praise him because his love is better than life. Here's our second question. Where do we see the characters living out God's loving kindness? Well, the fact that Ruth is there at all is evidence of his life in her. We talked about the idea that as a woman from a pagan culture, notice that she keeps being called the Moabite. (laughs) They don't want you to know that. That she has somehow absorbed the love of God and now she embodies it. Her gift of presence to Naomi, her mother-in-law, speaks volumes. And in Chapter 1, Naomi blesses Ruth, asking God to show her his hesed, his kindness, because of how Ruth has been kind to her. But before we talk about Boaz and his generosity, can we just stop and notice how nice Boaz and Ruth are, how kind they are? I think it's worth mentioning because it's so evident. Remember I told you that the book of Ruth is like a breath of fresh air in the time of judges. There's anarchy going on. People are, you know, Lord of the Flies. It's like people are surviving. They're, you know, doing whatever they can to get ahead. And here is Ruth and Boaz. This is part of what I'm talking about. And I was thinking how Ruth is a wonderful read in the days that we're living in. 
I don't know about you, but regularly I need to take a break from all of the meanness that's happening and the incivility in so many different ways. And even in our families and our lives, this year I went on a field trip with high school students to hear a Holocaust survivor tell them her story. It was very, very powerful. And the hosts of our time talked to the students afterwards, and they said, you know, young people, we want to remind you that hateful actions begin with hateful words. And so in your lives, watch your words. Be kind to one another. And when you hear other people bullying other people or talking bad about people, stop it. Say, hey, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to listen to you talk about the person that way. The word of the Lord gives us breathing space in our lives, in the days that we live in, in the days that everyone has lived in. The Lord gives us an oasis of his love from his word. As we see those who are serious about acting out the humility that comes from knowing the Lord. So through Boaz, we see how God works through the generosity of others. Because Boaz uses the provision that God has given him to give provision and hope to Naomi and Ruth. You see, Ruth has nothing. She's alone. She's a foreigner working out in the fields like many would have done who were not native to that country. And Boaz could have exploited her and treated her harshly. She was at his mercy But he gives generously to her, treating her with dignity, treating her with equality. Because everyone bears the image of God, the rich and the poor, men and women, the citizen and the immigrant, the one who owns the land, and the one who has to beg for whatever they can get. And so we need to pay attention to how Boaz treats her with God's care that goes beyond what is expected or considered fair In our small group this spring, we've been talking about stewardship. What do we do with all that the Lord has given to us? Not just time and money and talents, but other things. And one of the things that we talked about was influence. The voice and the power that we've been given in this life because of our experience, our education, or because of what we own, how persuasively we use our words to convince others to act. And we talked about how there is a job now called influencers. That's a job. And how companies and brands use uh, people called influencers to be the face of their advertisement on social media. So for fashion and for um, beauty and sports and other areas, these influencers endorse products, which are then shared with all of their readers and listeners and people online, and that helps spark viral conversations about brands effectively. And it hit me in my study in this passage how God is the great influencer of all time. Why does Ruth decide to stay with Naomi? Why does she choose to work in the fields, choosing the one that belongs to the family provider? Why does Boaz give Ruth such favor? Naomi knows it's because God invented influencers. He is the greatest influencer there is, and he uses his resources to bring provision and dignity to people who are grieving. Naomi and Ruth are still grieving. They are downtrodden, and the Lord is saying, here... 
I love you. I'm here with you. He tirelessly works for those who need to be lifted up, who need help. So here we see how Boaz exemplifies God's heart because he uses his resources to lift up the needy. Our final question is this. How has God's loving kindness transformed us so that we can bring hope to others? There's a lot of kindness here. Ruth is going out of her way to help Naomi and his working hard. She's being kind to the gleaners in the field. She herself could have taken advantage of Boaz's kindness. He's a stranger to her. She doesn't know him. Boaz is hugely generous. And it causes us to ask ourselves, how do we exhibit the hesed of God in our lives right now? You see, the opposite of kindness is selfishness and rudeness and fear and apathy and pride and hoarding. And so we look at our lives and we think, well, no matter what situation you're in right now, where you are the long-term insider in your family or your neighborhood or your country or your place of work, pay attention. Pay attention to those who are new. Seek out those who are alone, who you know is struggling in some way because they don't know the ropes. They don't know the system. Cultivate true friendships and offer a place of fellowship and safety where you can be a person that they trust. You see, in God's family, we exemplify his hesed, his loving kindness. And we ask him, Lord, who in my life needs your love? Who needs to know that you love them? Who can I treat? On the journey with me, who is poor in spirit right now, who is vulnerable. Now we might say, well, yeah, it was easy for Boaz because he was the patriarch. He had all of this uh, many, many, much money and means, but that would be cynical. And that would miss the point that those who know God use their resources for his glory, no matter the cost to them. Boaz could have had a hard heart. Against this woman from Moab who asked to glean in his field, he might have been prejudiced or stingy with what he had, saying, well, I earned this. This belongs to me. He could have stayed insular, but instead chose to offer a depth of hospitality that reflected the very heart of God. Each day, we have the opportunity to carefully consider how we might respect the dignity of all people. Because that is a hallmark of God's body, the church. Yes, we speak the truth, but absolutely, we do it with love and grace as we come alongside the poor, the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, the newcomer among us. Because this brings his presence into their lives in a powerful and new way and also brings more trust for us as he is transforming us to become more like him. One of the first archbishops of the church said this, Among the early Christians, it was decreed and ordained that no day should pass without the public singing of Psalm 63. Because your love, God, is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I lift up my hands. Ruth 2 is an excellent reminder. 
of how we always need to be looking for how God's love is filling in the gaps of our days, how he is guiding us forward in his plan. We want to look around and we want to notice how he's provided for us, how his care over us has been complete. We want to pay attention to how he's working all things together for good, even in dark places and times. We should be looking for the effects of his presence. And when we don't see it right away, we pray, Lord, show us. Because God's love is better than our life. Let us stop and pray before the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.